Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're in Joshua chapter 17. Look at verse 1. This was the allotment for the tribe of Manasseh as Joseph's firstborn. Gilead and Bashan were given to Machir, the firstborn son of Manasseh and the father of Gilead, because he was a man of war. So the allotment was for the rest of Manasseh's descendants by their clans for the sons of Abiezer, Helek, Azrael, Shechem, Hefer, Shemida. These are the male descendants of Manasseh, son of Joseph, by their clans. Now, Zelophehad, son of Hefer, son of Gilead, son of Machir, son of Manasseh, had no sons, only daughters. These are the names of his daughters, Mahla, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Terza. They came before the priest, Eleazar, Joshua, son of Nun, and the leader, saying, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance among our male relatives. So they gave them an inheritance among their father's brothers in keeping with the Lord's instruction. As a result, ten tracts fell to Manasseh besides the land of Gilead and Bashan, which are beyond the Jordan, because Manasseh's daughters received an inheritance among his sons. This was revolutionary, by the way. The land of Gilead belonged to the rest of Manasseh's sons. Now we're going to look at this on, uh, on the map in, um, in, in just a second, but, uh, and we're going to talk about the significance of what just happened. In a patriarchal society, these daughters receive a way to keep the family name um, from their allotment of the land uh, in the promised land, rather than it going to some other male heir of some other descendant of Manasseh. Here's, uh, here's the rest of the text. The border of Manasseh went from Asher to Mechmetheth near Shechem. It then went southward toward the inhabitants of Intipua, the region of uh, Tup- oh, By the way, I just realized I've been saying this wrong for like years. I'm so sorry, guys. Tupuya belonged to Manasseh, but Tupuya itself on Manasseh's border belonged to the descendants of Ephraim. From there, the border descended to the brook of Cana, south of the brook. Cities belonged to Ephraim among Manasseh's cities. Manasseh's border was on the north side of the brook and ended at the Mediterranean Sea. Ephraim's territory was to the south and Manasseh's to the north with the sea as its border. This is a recap from Numbers chapter 36 verses 1 through 13. It reached Asher on the north and Issachar in the east. Within Issachar and Asher, Manasseh had Bethshehan, Iblium, and the inhabitants of Dor with their surrounding villages, the inhabitants of Indor, Tanakh, Megiddo, the three cities of Napheth surrounding, uh, with their surrounding villages. The descendants of, Man, uh, of Manasseh could not possess these cities because the Canaanites were determined to stay in this land. However, when the Israelites grew stronger, they imposed forced labor on the Canaanites, but did not drive them out completely. So the forced labor is something we talked about when we were in chapter 16, verse 10. God never prescribed this, um, but and it's, it's also going to come back to bite them. These last two verses kind of set up the next one, but I want to first just give us geographical clarity on what we're talking about here so you can see this. It's cool because this is land that is currently in the news right now, right? There's the, the Jordan River right down the middle, East Manasseh and West Manasseh. And what's interesting about the cities of Manasseh is that they would tend to take on the names of people. A lot of the cities of Manasseh uh, were named after actual individuals. What's also cool is that these city names occur on merchandise receipts found in Samaria uh, dated uh, to the 8th century BC. And so the archaeological records backing up all of this. It's, uh, I know it just sounds like a bunch of city names and borders, but to me, it just helps illuminate the, the reality of the biblical world. Uh, it, when you're looking at just a bunch of real estate descriptions, 
it's important to remember the names. And in particular, when it comes to Manasseh, the names are people and the people have stories. And those stories now are associated with specific tracts of land and even individual cities. These daughters really had a big win here. This was unheard of. I know that today in our culture right now, the word patriarchal, patriarchal, or uh, patriarchal or patristics in general, like the study of the church fathers, uh, the idea of male headship, the idea of men being in charge, or the expectation that men should lead, is a bad word. But in this case, we see a very patriarchal society do what patriarchy is supposed to do, and that is look after women. Here's, here's another look at the text. Zelophehad, who, uh, you know, we, we know now, we know today that it's the genetics of the man um, that determine really the gender of the baby, um, had only daughters. And, and so he, he doesn't have any sons to carry on his family name with his allocation of, uh, of the, the tribe of Manasseh's land. And so these daughters go before the leaders and they say like the Lord commanded us to give an inheritance among our marital relatives. Uh, so they gave them an inheritance among their father's brothers in keeping with the Lord's instruction. And so the result is actually more land allocated to Manasseh. Now they're not done yet. And we're going to talk about this tomorrow. There's still more to be conquered here, but I want to, I want to just show how this is quite beautiful. It didn't get any more patriarchal than Old Testament Israel. And there's, there's no more, there's no more great a sense of onus to protect and look, af look after and provide for women than you see in this text, even going so far as to breach tradition and do something that was way ahead of the French, way ahead of any other society. I think even more so than the Egyptians. Like I, the, this, is, this is really radical, and it was done by patriarchs in the name of caring for, looking after, providing for this group of women. And this group of women was, was you know, they, they were either bold enough to confront the leaders, if you want to look at it that way. I think that they knew that these patriarchs had their best interest at heart, and so they go. There's no dispute. There's no debate. There's not even a second thought. They just know that Joshua and the leaders are going to look after them. So there's an incredibly high degree of trust here. Men. You are expected, according to the biblical account, to manage your household well. Manage means that you're, you're the manager. You're, you are expected to be the boss. You can abdicate that duty and your wife will take it over. But it's a shame when women have to step up and do what men are called to do. And men fail women in that regard. So if you are a man and you haven't really taken the lead in your family at all, I want you to understand something. The women in your family suffer because of that. Because in this sense, in the biblical sense, patriarchy looks after women, cares for women. May we do the same. Amen.